Hi everybody, for today's episode of Content Club, it's a look in at our last live event here at Pyramid Club. And we talked with Isabel Chrome from Temple Small Business Development Center about content creators, building a business, and marketing principles for small businesses. It's all here. And uh, thank you for coming out. I'm Vince Quinn. Part of Content Club and part of what we do here is we actually run a podcast program here at the club. We have a full studio. It's mostly this equipment that you see here. Uh, we made it portable for this kind of reason. But, yeah, we build podcasts for people. We help people make clips for their social media channels, make it feel like you're doing a podcast, but it's nice and natural and smooth because you're talking to me instead of talking to your phone and things like that. So helping a lot of business owners. Uh, helping a lot of content creators. For me, I've got a radio background. I spent 10 years in radio. I said, I hate this business. I don't think it's going anywhere. Everybody's podcasting. I got to get out. And I did. And so that's why I'm here. Uh, and with that and running a studio and things, I've realized that as a business owner, I didn't know a damn thing. Uh, I jumped right into it and I couldn't help myself. I saw the opportunity. Taylor as well, who's my business partner. So uh, we had a lot of things to learn about, you know, just running a business. And it turns out that all this time, a very good friend of mine, Isabel Chrome from the Temple Small Business Development Center, helps small businesses. Uh, so for, for Isabel, it just made so much sense to get her out here. We'll talk about a lot of things regarding, uh, you know, content creators getting into business and marketing and how to approach those kinds of things and, and kind of bringing it all together. Um, so first off, Isabel, thank you for being here. Very glad to be here, Vince. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. So, um, Isabel, I mean, right now, you know, you're with Temple Small Business Development Center. But right. uh, first of all, I mean, just tell us your background. Like, your background's awesome. Sure. Okay. Uh, so, I am kind of a classic jack-of-all-trades, master of none, right? That's my, that's my thing. Uh, raised by two small business owners, small business owners in the family going back a few generations. Um, so, I kind of knew I was never going to have uh, no perfectly normal nine-to-five. Um, so I think I started my first small business when I was in the seventh grade. Uh, didn't really stop. So um, in college, I ran a tutoring company that paid, you know, my beer money, my meal plan. Uh, and then I worked for a women's business center in Philly uh, for a number of years. I ran that women's business center um, and uh, worked with small business, small business owners from across the city, really loved that work, and found that what really fed me at that job was the one-on-one -on -one work with small business owners, helping people understand what the problems were that they were facing and, and helping people ask the right questions and find answers to them. Um, and, you know, build good habits as a business owner, right? There's discipline to running a business, right? And managing your cash flow and, and, and all the things that you do every day. So um, I joined the Temple Small Business Development Center as a consultant in June of 2021. And this is actually, this month is my, is my uh, will be 10 years uh, working in Philly with small businesses. So um, really love this city. Um, not originally from Philly, uh, but boo. No. Uh... <laughs> but listen, where I'm from, there are no NFL teams, so I'm, I, I can legally adopt the Eagles as a fan. <laughs> I checked it out; it's fair game. Um, so yeah, love this city, love the work with small business owners, and um, yeah, I'm, my work at the SBDC focuses on um, kind of two big areas: helping pre-venture small businesses work on their business model, make feasibility plans, understand, you know, the, how they're going to be profitable, what they need to do to, to launch and operate, and then working with existing business owners who maybe have plateaued in their business success, are facing some challenges, and again, need to figure out, okay, what's the, what's going on here that I could be doing differently? Are there, are there untapped markets, revenue streams I haven't considered, 
Um, am I doing something wrong in my customer interactions? All that stuff. So that's where we can come in and, and again, ask the right questions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let me ask you a simple question, because uh, as a content creator that then got involved with a studio directly that was already operating when I got in the door, uh -huh. um, I don't know what the hell business model really was. Sure. Uh, so, from, so just from the people who are more on that content side, just explain sure. the very basics of, of a business model. All right, cool. So I want you to picture three interlocking gears, all related, right? Three gears interacting. Um, and those three gears are the engine of your business. So one is your customers, right? Who's anyone in your, in your business who is paying you for your time, for your products, for your services, your customers, right? Obviously, they're part of your business. You don't have a business without customers, of course. We start there. Who are your customers? If you don't know, that, you know, red flag, right? You can't reach them if you don't know them. Um, related to your customers are the customer need, the thing that prompts your customers to spend money. Most of us don't wake up on, 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 on a given day thinking, I'm going to spend some money today. Excellent, right? <laughs> uh, maybe Black Friday we do. But most of us, yeah. most of the year, don't wake up thinking we want to spend money. So what is the need that your business is solving? The, the problem you're solving for your customer, the need that your business fills, these are the two interrelated gears. The third is your unique value proposition, what you do for your customers to meet that need. These three, the relationship between these three items is your business model. If, you're, if your understanding of your customer changes, it affects the other two as well. If what you do changes, it affects who might be interested in what you do, right? So those three things are your business model. If you change your focus on your customers or you expand your focus into a new customer, how you meet that need may change, right? You need to understand what that new customer's problem is that you're solving and adapt your unique value proposition accordingly. Yeah, so and, that's a business model. And it's great that you say all this stuff because, like, as a content creator, I think what happens a lot of times is people, for example, they're on Instagram, they get this big following, and they're like, oh my God, suddenly I have 15,000 followers, but also I have no idea how to monetize this. And, and it's such a funny thing because it happens all the time. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And I think for a lot of people, it's that understanding of, like, who is my customer? I think so many people lack that. And I think, and like, part of this is just out of curiosity, right? Is like, for all the people, you've been doing this now for 10 years. And yeah. as you've been doing this for 10 years, obviously content creation has blown up completely. <laughs> and and it's, a, it's an entirely different world than it was 10 years ago. It is. Um, so given that, I mean, first off, how many people go to you saying, I want to start a business or I have a business and I am a content creator? Do you, do you yeah, see that? Yeah, that happens. Absolutely. I have, a, I have a few clients. I have, I have um, some podcast clients. I have uh, filmmakers. I work with, um, you know, graphic designers, artists. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Content creation is, is part of our work. And a lot of what we work, we do with those clients is answering that question, right? How am I going to monetize this? Who is my customer? A lot of times there's a distinction between the audience and the customer or the user and the customer, right? So understanding that distinction is super important because it changes, again, what you're providing to those different groups, right? So if you, for instance, um, have an audience, if you're, if you're monetizing through ads, right? You're getting paid from the companies that are advertising. The advertisers are your customer, functionally, right? Your audience is important. You can't be of interest to your advertiser without the audience, so your content has to, has to reach that audience and be what that audience is looking for. But you can't alienate your advertisers. That's your moneymaker, right? So understanding that you have customers and an audience and how that Venn diagram intersects or doesn't Super important. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing that like thinking about the philosophy of just running this at a high level, right? Mm -hmm. From from a business owner and a content creator side, it's the same thing, 
right? Like you are making this content with a certain person in mind. You want to accomplish certain things with that content. And once you get their attention, like where are you bringing them? And I ask right. people that question all the time. And a lot of times they don't know. Yeah. So thinking about content creation, you know, is the content the product or is it part of a pipeline to sell a different product or service, right? If it's part of a pipeline, then you've got to be aware of the anatomy of a, of a content marketing funnel. I don't know if you're aware of this, right? You have, you're building awareness, you're, you're uh, getting your customers to evaluate your product or service, you're getting them engaged with your product or service, and you're then converting them into paying customers. And then the fourth part of that cycle is retaining them as customers in some way. So every, every piece of content that you do, if the content is part of a marketing pipeline, should be serving one of those four goals. Am I building my brand awareness? Am I getting customers to understand what I do better? Am I converting them into paying customers, turning them from audience to customer, right? That's conversion. And now that I have them as a paying customer, how am I keeping them interested, keeping them engaged, making them successful? And you as a business owner and your customers as, as, or your audience members have different goals at each of those stages of that funnel. And you've got to know what their goals are and what your goals are so that your content, which is, if, if it's part of a marketing funnel, that you're you know, sending the right message to accomplish those goals. But if the content is the product, then you're thinking about, okay, how am I gonna monetize this content? Am I gonna, am I gonna paywall parts of it, right? Is it gonna be a freemium kind of an offering where there's just enough out there to get you interested and then you know, buy my ebook, subscribe to my six week you know, platform, right? whatever, whatever the, the, the ask is. Um, if the content is the product, you know, there are ways to monetize that as well. But yeah, you've got to be clear on what the product is, who the customers are. And for a lot of content creators, there is that distinction between the paying customer and the listening audience or the viewing audience. And that can be challenging to navigate if you don't have a familiarity with, you know, what is a business model? How do we make money doing this? And that's where we can, you know, folks like myself and, and, and you can come in and be helpful. Yeah, because that, that is the biggest thing, right? It, it's finding a way to merge all these things together and make sure, because like I'm talking to somebody right now and they're a coach and they work with executives and they're trying to teach these people like, hey, here, how can I be better to teams in like big companies? How can I be a more effective leader to have a, more, a team with a bigger buy-in? And they want to get a lot of customers like that, people in the C-suite, if you will, mm -hmm. that make decisions and, and have a lot of people that report to them. So for that, it's like, okay, well, if you're going to do that kind of show, then who are you bringing on the show? You know what I mean? Like if you're going to, because you can get a lot of things out of that. One, you're bringing on people that are your potential customer, right? You're bringing on somebody to talk to them for an hour to say, hey, what is your leadership style? Let me tell you about leadership. And they go, oh, this person knows their shit. I'm going to hire them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's one level of it. The other side is you get good marketing out of that because it's you spitting your opinions on stuff. And if you're doing a show, you're doing any kind of content and you're just bringing people on and only getting their opinion, you're missing out on you and your voice and your information your knowledge don't cut yourself out that is an important part making sure you get that out because you can get those clips you can turn that into transcripts you can do that into quick uh, quote posts all those different kinds of things and be able to tie that stuff together it gives you a really strong purpose in everything that you're doing and that's it like your content it's either your content is a business and everything that you're making you're finding ways to monetize that and I do want to talk to you about pricing in a moment because I think that's a huge thing it's a uh -huh. huge thing Always. but you, you've got this idea of, all right, I've got this content, I'm gonna monetize on it, here's how I wanna go about doing it, and then from the other side, it's, hey, I am a business owner, I'm making this content, and how can this content go and help me convert it into sales? So, from those kinds of things, that's exactly where you wanna be. Third, third thing, kinda of in between there, right in the middle, and we can talk about this as well, is the idea of sponsoring 
other people as a business owner going, you know what, I don't got time to make content. Like, I, I got a million things going on. I don't feel comfortable in front of it. Do I have to buy all this equipment? I don't have people to help me. Like, it just doesn't make sense for me right now. Go find somebody that is in, that has your audience, right? And, and they're speaking to your kind of people and partner with them. You know, yeah. sponsor their brand, offer your product a special deal, promotional, whatever it might be, do it with them. Allow those people and their audience to come to you because think about it these days, right? A lot of people that are influencers, they're popular and these are the people that you're dealing with as well, right? They're local, right. they have a following. Right. So if you can go to somebody that says, hey, I've got even like, let's say 3,500 followers, right? You might hear that and go like, oh, well, I mean, you know, uh, what's Taylor Swift got? It's nothing. Uh, but like, that's 3,500 people that odds are are local and right. do care about that person's thing, whether it's fashion, it's style, it's travel, uh, it's food, and then they're right here in the neighborhood. So to be able to partner with that person, there's value in that, right? Like they have an audience that you're looking for and you don't have the time to go and build yourself, but you have your account and through that collaboration, you can get that audience and bring it over to you. They'll be familiar with you because you've built a long running partnership with somebody who's saying your name over and over again. They're using the, your product and doing that in front of their audience. There's a lot of value there. And so that's why, uh, first off, I want to, in terms of like pricing and partnerships and all these different things, okay. we were talking a little bit before we this started. And you mentioned something about, uh, I think you said collaboration was the word, or what yeah, was the? Yeah, yeah, collaboration partnerships. You know, I, I have, um, with my work, and if any of you all go on to work with me as a consultant, you'll find this. I have a couple of soapboxes I, I, I try to um, not step on, but I, I, I do. I, I can't help it. Um, um, Vince has been in the audience for a couple of those, unfortunately. I'm a lot of fun at parties. Um, <laughs> one of them is the importance of collaboration and partnerships because it's, you know, you can't do everything by yourself in a business, right? You just can't. It's not an effective use of your time or your money. Um, but, you know, if you have a product and you've got to get it to a store, are you going to start a trucking business or are you going to hire somebody who's a trucker, right? You're going to hire somebody. Partnerships are super important. And the ideal partner, the ideal collaborator for, for your business, you know, when you're kind of thinking through who could I work with, it's somebody whose audience is the same or similar as yours, where there's audience crossover, but the way that you're serving that audience is different. So cross-pollinating your two audiences can be mutually beneficial. So content creation is full of this, right? You're partnering with somebody else, just like you're talking about. They have an audience that is interested in what you do. You have an audience that might be interested in what they do. Find ways to bring those audiences together. Ideally, there's somebody who's not doing the exact same thing as you do or has a little bit of a different spin on it. But yeah, collaboration is super important and it's one of the quickest ways to grow your business, to grow your following, is to find good partners and to be a good partner, right? Not to expect partnerships where there's, it's, all, it's all take and no give, right? What do you bring to that table as a partner? What do you have to offer? Is it your audience? Is it your expertise? Is it your time? What is it that you can bring to the table as a partner? And what are you asking for? Those, gotta be, those, those scales have to balance. Yeah, right? and, and one of the other things that you mentioned when we talked about all that stuff was somebody has to make money in this exchange. That's up, but it's like <laughs> some somebody point. needs to be making money at some point, right? And at that's the whole point. point. And like for, for sometimes, like this happens a lot, especially in the content side. It probably happens a lot with a lot of startup businesses as well. But like finding that value in what you do, right? Like mm -hmm. kind of going back to this pricing point of okay. like, all right, I do this thing. In some cases, content creator, I make videos. I go to businesses. I review the business. I try the food. I might do whatever that is. There's right. value in that. Or uh, from an actual business side, hey, I have a certain product. I have a certain service. And I do that for other businesses or individual people. And mm -hmm. coming up with a, a price and a value and trusting yourself to do that. Because I think for a lot of people, especially the content side, like 
I got into this, and I was like, I'm doing all these podcasts for people, and I was just coming up with a number off the top of my head. And I was like, oh, you want to do a show? Uh, I don't know, 100 bucks. Like, it sounded good to me. I was new. I was like, yeah, give me 100 bucks. That sounds great. Let's right. do that. Mm -hmm. And then you get into it, and you start paying bills, and you're like, oh, shit, we can't do that. It's like, that's, that's not how this works. Right. So yeah. tr trying to find the proper way to value things and, and not do everything for free, because I think that's, that's a big balance that a lot of people have, is like, I want to do this stuff for free. I want to get my name out there. I want to build these relationships. But you also do need to run a business. So like trying to value your, your time and kind of evaluate your product and, and the value of the time that goes into the product. Yeah, I mean, you hit on a lot of great points there, and I will talk about pricing because I can tell you want me to talk about pricing. Uh, but no, you hit on another great point there, which is valuing your own time, especially with my startups, with my pre-revenue businesses. It can be challenging to say, my time is worth money, right? This is what my hourly rate is. This is what my services are worth. This is what, you know, I'm, I'm worth charging for my time. Um, I see this with people who want to start bakeries. Well, I'm just an amateur baker. I can't possibly charge for my wedding cake. Well, I mean, did you rent a commercial kitchen? Did you buy a bunch of ingredients? Did, did you make a good cake? You are not a charity, right? Make money, right? Charge for your time. You're worth it. Um, that's, you know, that hurdle some people face. Other people are very happy, very comfortable charging for their time. Depends on the person. For those people who are comfortable charging for their time but not sure how much to charge, there's a few different ways to do this. Um, and I really recommend going through a couple of different methods for pricing your products or services and seeing kind of where they agree. The classic one, if you have a traditional kind of product-based businesses, is to understand your cost of goods sold, right? What is it, you know, let's say you make cakes. How much are all of your ingredients going into that cake? And then what is a typical markup in your industry? What is it, and it start, start there with the traditional markup so, so that you, you know, before you know exactly what your overhead is going to be, know what's a traditional markup. So you can say, okay, my ingredients for this cake cost me, you know, 150 bucks. Then it's usual in a wedding industry for the markup on that to be, you know, 100%, you know, to be pretty high. So I'll mark it up by this percentage that gets me to my final quoted price for my customer. That's kind of the standard. I know my cost of goods sold. I know the industry standard markup that gets me to my price. Now, that's works for you if you have a traditional product-based business. You don't, no. right? Many of us <laughs> no, don't. don't. So then, how do you how do you know what your time is worth? How do you pr how do you charge? How do you price a service properly? And that's where you get to the second uh, pricing method, which is benchmarking. What are other people charging for that service? Right. Put yourself in that customer mindset. This is also great for learning more about your customer journey. Go shopping for your service. Right. What do you get quoted? What do, what do you see online? What's the range? And then where do you want to fall in that range? Are you a budget option? Are you higher end? How are you positioning yourself within your competitive landscape? You should know what the range of services are. Are you a deal? Are you the budget option? Or are you right smack in the middle? It's a fair price. I know what I'm worth. Or are you charging a higher price in the market intentionally? Maybe you want to, maybe you have um, other, you know, you do one-on-one -on -one work and you also do group work and you want to spend less time doing one-on-one -on -one work because the group work is more lucrative. So your one-on-one -on -one rate is going to go a little higher to incentivize people to go for the, you know, the, the, the cheaper service for you. So yeah, pricing, benchmarking is a great way to go, to go about it. The third thing, if there's not really benchmarks, let's say you have a true brand new idea. You can't go find a direct competitor because you're doing something totally new. Then think about what your value is to your customer. What are you replacing for your customer? What would they have to buy to do what you're doing for them? 
you know, what line item are you replacing in the business budget? What uh, if they wanted to get into the podcasting business? What would they have to do to do that, right? Just think, you know, an hour of my time is saving you all of these equipment costs, right? So that, that can help you work backwards to kind of uh, put a price point on something that doesn't have direct competition. But it's not, you know, it's not a standard formula. And it, there, are, there is such a thing as trying price points and changing them based on the feedback you get from the market, right? It's so important to listen to your customers. Your customers have all the answers if you're asking the right questions and listening to those answers. So, you know, let's say you, you start out at a price point. Um, uh, let's say you, you're booking a six-week, in, you know, uh, intensive workshop series, and you want people to sign up for it, and you think it, that's worth $2,000. And you start three, mo three months out, you do all the marketing you're supposed to do, and you get one person to show up. Well, your marketing could be bad, possible, or your price point could be wrong, right? So, you know, let's look back at what you did and think about which one of those two things it is, make some changes, try again, right? Um, get to the the right price point for your customer. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not, you know, it, you, you can't always know going in. Sometimes you have to just try things and see what works. Um, but yeah. yeah, those are the three different things. I would, So to, to recap, pricing methods, um, cost of goods sold plus a standard markup. Um, uh, the third is benchmarking. What are other people charging and where are you in that range? And then the third is what is the value to your customer? What are you replacing for them that they would otherwise have to spend money on? Yeah, and, and for us, it's been a lot of two and three. Sure. You know, because uh, for some of the interesting things, right, like people I deal with, for example, they have a marketing team, but that marketing team doesn't know how to do a podcast. <laughs> you know, and all the editing that goes into that. And are you yeah. doing audio and video? How are you recording that? Do you, the, the number of times where we've had people where they have a nice microphone, right? They have a really nice mic. They maybe paid $150, $200, $300 for this microphone. They have it plugged in. It's in front of them, but it's not connected properly to the computer. So it's not actually recording on that microphone. It's recording on their AirPods or it's recording on the laptop mic because yeah. they just didn't check it. They didn't know how. They've now wasted that interview. They've wasted the microphone, like all that kind of stuff. So it's like, yeah, yeah I'm going to make your product more efficient. I'm going to make it more effective for all the things that you're doing. And I'm going to save you time. Like the current people that you have on staff, saving them time is, and having that as an argument in my back pocket has been super helpful. Because I can say, look, your marketing person doesn't want to do this. They're overwhelmed. They're not interested. We can provide this service. This is all we do. We support your marketing person. They get those hours back, and they're going to be happier, and they're going to be more effective for you, and the show is going to do more because they're going to promote it properly because that's what they do. You know what I mean? Like, I've had clients where I've gotten them 20 hours back in a week. And, like, Huge. what can you do with 20 hours in a week for your staff spread across two, three people? You can do a lot. So there's massive relief, there's value in time and things like that, and there's, that's the kind of thing you can sell. So mm -hmm. fr from that standpoint, I, I think that's really interesting. And like from, from the other side too, right? Because, okay, in, in some case, I am a content creator, I'm a podcaster, and for those kinds of people that you have at clients, I, I'd be curious because the, other, the, the one side you have is, all right, I do want sponsors for my stuff, for my shows, for my products. I, I want to have sponsors on that. But also, I have to go to a business owner that odds are is a small business owner and is local, and I have mm -hmm. to get them to line up with their value of marketing yeah. with my price to make the videos. Because this is one of the things that I talk about with people, and I really do believe this, but it is tricky, is your marketing material could be sponsored, right? Not just be something that you're getting it out and you're talking about your messages and you're showing yourself off and you've got your service or whatever it is, you can do that. But if you've got partners that help you do that service and they want to also get their name out there, there's no reason they can't. But you don't know how to sell it, 
right? It's, right. it's hard to come up with this point and understand, especially with small business owners, like there's no, there's no formal rates, you know what I mean? Like everything's so new and everybody's still getting to know each other and a lot of people are skeptical of social media that it's not easy to say like, oh, this is what it costs to buy. Like you go to Bur you know, Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, you know what a burger costs. It's, you might not like it, uh, but you know what it costs, and it costs the same at pretty much every place. Right. So you can't just go to a content creator, and you can't go to a small business owner and say, hey, uh, if you want to get on this video or do a series of three videos, let's say series of three videos, and I'll come back once a month, and I'll highlight your place, or I'll do it over the course of a month, and it's going to cost $1,500. Mm -hmm. They have no perspective for that. So like, right. I, I mm -hmm. think it gets really complicated to try to bridge that gap, but it's a natural gap that should be happening. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's I guess really what I'm trying to say is like what how do how do a lot of small businesses value marketing and like to what degree could I reasonably expect them to be willing to potentially sponsor something? Yeah, I mean, I would argue that some small business owners really undervalue marketing and aren't spending, you know, aren't investing the, the you know, the resources that they should be into their marketing. But I would also argue that those business owners are not the right customers for you, right? There's, you know, how how long are you, how much energy are you going to are you going to put into chasing down a customer that doesn't have the need that your business, you know, that your business meets. Um, you know, there's this you can do one of your marketing goals could be customer education, right? I really want to work with them. They're not a, they're not ready to work with me yet, but I'm going to put in some time and I'm going to come in and I'm going to say, listen, this is these are the results that you can get out of this work. This is the going rate. I'll give you a deal, but you have to give them the context, right, and give them. Here's what somebody else would charge you. Here's what results somebody else might get. I can get you better. I can do it for cheaper. But that education has to be part of that sales pitch. And it has to be worth it for you in, in some way strategically to go after that client that doesn't want, your, that doesn't want to work with you. Yeah. And if it's not, it may well be not worth your time. If it's not, you've got to know how long you're going to chase that lead before you let it go and move on to other leads that are, that are hotter. Right, and that's a difficult. That's where the discipline comes in, because there's a lot of discipline in being a, in being a business owner. Right, there's the discipline of, you know, every month we're gonna we're gonna check, you know, we're gonna look at our books and check in, uh, on our on our performance metrics. Were we profitable? Did we did we break even? What was our cash flow like? There's the discipline of, um, I'm not gonna I'm gonna set boundaries around my time. I'm not gonna chase the low paying customers. I'm gonna spend some time building towards that one big opportunity that could be business changing for my, for my business. There's discipline in that, and it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it, it can be challenging to know where to spend your energy, um, but yeah, if you find yourself chasing a customer who isn't interested, and um, at some point, you know, maybe they're just not that into you. Yeah. It, That's okay. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> yeah. like that, and that's the thing. If you're chasing somebody and they're not interested in you, at some point, you're just wasting your right. time. Cuffy. You've made your case, you've presented yourself, they like you or they don't. Go live your life. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like, you're costing yourself all this time chasing something. You're like, think, like, oh, if, but if we did get together, it could be this great thing. If they don't get it, it is what it is. And you just, you just got to move on and live your life. Because Absolutely. You, if you find that other person that does get it and they do support you and they do back you, I mean, it means everything. And, like, yeah. for the stuff that I'm seeing, it's been sustainable, consistent relationships. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I've got certain shows. They come in seasons, right? So they'll do 10, 12 episodes. They come and they go. They might disappear for three months in that time in between. But you know what? I know they're coming back. And I can expect them in three months because they do the show. I put that energy in. They see the results. And then... 
they, they come to me. I mean, where else are you going to go? You know what right. I mean? So it's like when you've got that, that, those are the people that get it. And sometimes I've got lower ticket customers and I've got higher ticket customers. It all depends on the kind of work that they need out of me and the sure. team I need to do it and all that kind of stuff. But it's people that get it. And if they don't get it, yeah, it's not worth my time. So. Right. And this is the other hard lesson that um, many of us have to learn in business, which is when is it time to fire a bad customer? That's not a fun lesson to learn the hard way. Ask me how I know. Um, but no, there, Well, there, how do you know? <laughs> no, there comes a time <laughs> when you realize that you're spending way too much of your time on the difficult client, on the yeah. one that always has asks outside of scope, that always has, you know, that always has the problems that you need to that you need to fix for them right away. You have to know these are the signs of a bad client. How am I going to fire them? You know, Joe down the street does great work. We love Joe. Go talk to Joe. I think he's a better fit for your needs. Right? Are there are you going to refer them elsewhere? Are you going to, you know, wrap up this contract and not renew it? What is that what is the end of that relationship going to look like in a way that you don't you know, blow up a bridge if you don't have to. But um, similar to don't chase down a customer that doesn't want your business, learn to get comfortable with firing clients who are wasting your time. It's not a, it's not a fun lesson, but it's an important one. Yeah, and, and for us, like, it was, we hit this one interesting point where we had this client, and it was a different kind of service. It was a slight different, because we're like, we're doing the podcasting stuff, and we're helping people with clips and that kind of thing. But then it got to a point where it was like, well, what if we went to somebody's place of business, and we were helping make social content, we were filming a bunch of stuff and scheduling it over the month. And like, it's a good idea. But to practically execute that all the time was different than what we did. And to be able to do that on a constant basis, plus they didn't get social media, really. They just knew they needed it. Mm -hmm. And they were asking all these demands, and they were getting frustrated because they didn't understand it. And it's all this work for a different offshoot of something that was, like, not out of our league, but it, was, it wasn't exactly our best quality. Yeah. And, and we just got rid of it. It, it. We moved on because it didn't make sense for anybody. It wasn't helping us. It wasn't helping them, ultimately, because yeah. uh, they weren't seizing on it. And, and we were just better off. So, like, we, we went our separate ways, and it's a lot better. And now, yeah. like, as we're in this evaluation point, it is a lot of not just like, all right, who's the target person that could, could get our services? But, yeah, how quickly can I identify the people that get it? Yeah. Because once you get those, it's, it's just an easier conversation. And when you're looking for that, like, it's been funny because I'll, I'll know within a lot of times within, like, Three minutes, I can tell if somebody actually understands what I do, the value of what I do, and if they're really interested. Yeah. And if there's those people on the fence, sure. But, I mean, if, yeah, if these people are just like, yeah, I don't know about this podcasting thing, then like, all right, well, tell me when you do. Right. You know? It's right. Just, you got it, my card. Call me back when you're ready. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can't go nuts. Yeah. And a lot of times the bad clients are the ones who come in early when we're not sure of our price point yet. Maybe we're undercharging for our time. This is what happened to me. I have a consulting practice in addition to working for the Small Business Development Center. One of my early consulting clients, I way undercharged them because, again, I wasn't confident in my value and the value of my time. And then once you charge somebody a rate, this is why you don't work for free, when you charge somebody a rate, they understand that to be your value, right? They are going to expect that rate in the future. So three years in, now I have clients who pay market value for my time. I've raised my rates over time. I've, I've built a, you know, a, 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 a book of business that I feel proud of. And my most difficult clients are the ones who are paying me the least, right? <laughs> Fire them. <laughs> Find better clients. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there. It's a big city, um, and it, it it is such a weight off your back when you make that when you make that move, um, and it happens 
with the clients who pay us the least because they have a perception of our time as less valuable, right? So they think that we are not as worthy of, you know, of, of, of their effort. They're going to come to us to fix their problems. They're going to make no effort to fix them on their own. That's the sign that, you know, some signs of a bad client. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, the more you do it, the better of a sense you get for who is the right, who is that right, you know, in that three gear engine, right? Who is the right fit for you, for your customers? And that's, it's, it can be a moving target um, for sure, yes. especially in the startup days. So I'm, I'm glad we're doing all this stuff and, and getting into a lot of this business nuance of it. Because, again, like when I got thrown into this, I, I literally didn't know anything. I was doing sports radio for 10 years. Like I was so out of my depth. And it was like, okay, well, I've got to study like crazy. I've got to read all these, like watching YouTube videos and reading books and, and all these <laughs> different things. And I didn't really realize until maybe about a year ago some of the value of free resources that are available to make my business better. Mm -hmm. And it started with me. Uh, I went to the library. I, which you guys have a connection with the library, correct? I host monthly office hours down in the Central Parkway branch, Tuesdays, the second Tuesday of the month at 1 o'clock. Wait, know, you, you host those? Yeah, that's me. I'm mm. coming over then. I'm the, like, I, uh, yeah, okay. I'm, st I'm stopping yeah, by next time. By. So, so let me know by. for that. It's them. a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's, there in two weeks. <laughs> great. All right, I'm putting it on my calendar. I'm not awesome. kidding. Yeah, totally. um, so, yeah, like... For that, I mean, it's it's just so fascinating because now it's like I've been exposed to all these different things. There's SCORE, which SCORE is a, is a national program, I believe, with a yes. Pennsylvania mm -hmm. branch. Yeah. And it's all about small business. And that's all it is. It's like monthly. Uh, well, not monthly. It's regular seminars about all sorts of different things. You can get mentors in that program. And mm -hmm. like to see those kinds of things exist and then realizing everything you're doing with Temple Small Business Development Center, like yeah. it's crazy. So just on some level, could you go through... I mean, just the. I'll the, give you the ecosystem. I got. I got. Yes. A quick, I got. A, I got. I got a quick Please. pitch here. Okay, so um, we and Score are both funded by the U.S. Small Business Administration. You know, federal agency. They do great work. Uh, um, and you may be familiar with them through the Idle programs, the Paycheck Protection programs during COVID. So the SBA funds uh, resource partners like Small Business Development Centers and Score to provide low cost or no cost technical consulting. And, uh, and 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 training, which is the webinars, you know, the the, the programming, educational programming. Um, SCORE is county by county chapters. SCORE is a an all volunteer organization or a largely volunteer organization. They provide it's um, it, the acronym used to stand for Service Corps of Retired Executives. That's how you get SCORE. Now they've rebranded. They're just SCORE. Um, but I don't work for SCORE, so I can tell you the old story. Um, so SCORE does mentorship, um, and you get connected with you know what they're really good at is the industry specific advice. Right? I'm a generalist. I don't know every industry intimately. I know I know a lot about general business management. Management, general business skills, those things that are kind of agnostic to industry, right? Everybody should keep their books, right? Everybody should pay, you know, should be charging a fair price for their product or services. I'm great at that. Score is great at like, okay, so um, you want to you want to know what's going on in Delaware in Delaware value manufacturing? Score. Talk to a score mentor, right? Services are, are available at no charge. They match you with a mentor. It's wonderful. Um, the SBDCs are hosted largely by universities, so we're hosted by Temple University. There's also SBDCs at Widener, at Kutztown, at, um, you know, all over. There's, I think, 27 across the state of Pennsylvania, and they're, they're national. They're all over, all over the country. So there is a score and an SBDC near you, wherever you may be. Um, check them out. Uh, yeah, we're, we don't charge for our individual consulting services. Um, there are occasionally price, uh, you know, uh, minimal charges for like long-term training programs. You know, we have a, a six-week business planning course with a nominal fee. We have a nine-month construction management series. 
that you get a certificate out of. That's that's got a fee as well to cover our costs. But yeah, for the most part, the services are available to you at no charge, and we're unfortunately a pretty well kept secret. So tell your friends. Yeah. And that's, that's why I wanted to bring you in. And, and so here, and here's the other thing, too, that I've realized, because th this is the other thing that I think intimidates a lot of people, because uh, talking to certain content creators, and, and this was, it was a simple question, and it was a great question I got the other day, was mm -hmm. I think basically for content creators, a lot of times they see it as if they go full-time, it's a job, mm. and it's not a business. But Ooh. what is the value of doing it as a business? It's basically why is yeah. the question. And I think what I've realized is, and, and this is in part looking at all the things that you have available through Temple, like grants, for example. I mean, just knowing the amount of ways you can get access to funds, I think that terrifies people, yeah. but they don't know it's available to them and, and how it can actually help them yeah. grow you know, from an early stage. You have found one of my soapboxes. I'm so sorry, Vince, another one today. So. Access to capital, outside funding. Yes, there are grants. There aren't a ton of them. They're, they can be pretty competitive. Grants aren't usually going to be the primary source of funding if you have a big funding need. But there are small business loans. There are investors. There are uh, matching grants you know, for uh, certain businesses. So yes, grants are, and, and there are you know, crowdfunding. There's all kinds of ways to, to meet the funding need if you have one. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, should, is this a job? Is this a business? Well. If it's a job that you originated, that you manage, friend, that is a business. Call it what you want, right? But if you work for yourself and you don't work anywhere else, that's a business. A side hustle can be a business as well, right? You can have a day job and be building a business, right? But anything that where you're charging money for your time or your services in whatever capacity, that is a business. Um, and that makes you an entrepreneur. And that's, um, you know, people I sometimes feel a little bit nervous about applying that label to themselves. But an entrepreneur fundamentally, like the definition they give you the first day of business school, an entrepreneur is a connector. An entrepreneur connects the means of production with the customers. So you're a connector. And that's, I mean, Look at me. we knew that about you going way back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so be, knowing, that that's part of, you know, knowing that that's part of your role, I think calling yourself an entrepreneur is an important step. Calling yourself a business owner is an important step. But you know, some people, Start a, you know, don't have the goal of high aggressive growth, right? They're looking for something that just sort of fits their lifestyle, brings in a little extra income. That's still a business. It's a lifestyle business. You're not going high growth, but it's still a business. And so you still have to have a good idea of who your customers are, what your value proposition is, what fair prices are, who your competition is, and, and how you fit into that whole picture so that you can make a living that fits your lifestyle and that's just as that's just as um, uh, as valid a definition of in business as you know somebody who's going to starting a you know a, a VC funded startup that's gonna that's gonna be the next Uber or whatever. Um, you know it, it, your personal goals don't necessarily have to be. I'll be on every street corner making you know. But yeah, that's um, I, I think being a business owner is um, uh, you know can be an identity that that you choose. Um, um, and that choice has, uh, you know, is, is, a, is, is a, an important one, you know, when you get to that point in, in, in your content creation where I'm ready to take this more seriously. Yeah, because it just means a lot. Like, for me, the amount of confidence that I've gotten day to day in terms of running everything because mm -hmm. I go, oh, okay, like, I'm a podcast guy and I get to host and do goofy stuff and, yeah. like, it's fun, but I'm a business owner and I got to make sure the books are right and I got to make sure that I'm hiring people in a certain way and I trust yeah. those people and we have a proper plan and, like, we're on top of it, and we're constantly evaluating all the things that we're offering and the pricing and all those kinds of things. And the more work and time I've put into that, 
because I am reading the books and learning about resources and getting mentors and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's gotten so much easier and so much better and I can feel us moving a lot faster than we were even six months ago. Yeah. So it, it's just such a relief, it, it does so much good and I'm glad we've been able to have this conversation. So I wanna say thank you, Isabel, uh, for, for coming out and being with us today. And that's the episode. If you need help with your content creation and want to get in touch with me, go to sbxproductions.co, that's .co, not .com, so .co. And if you want to join us for our next event, sign up for the newsletter. It's all the updates on everything we've got going on, all sorts of information and opinions about things in the content creation industry, business, if you will, and that's at phillycontentclub.com. See you in January.